Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. You know, back uh, many years ago, uh, when I was at school, I can remember we were taught this uh, gas model uh, theory for the origin of the Earth. And um, it all seemed very plausible that uh, all these gas clouds um, uh, coalesced and as they were spinning around the sun, formed the... Um, the different planets and, um, and 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 obviously Earth, and uh, as it cooled down, um, obviously life came. Now it's very interesting that uh, back um, back then and um, in the um, late fifties and early sixties, um, I was in a state school, but we weren't taught the theory of evolution, uh, which was. You know, I, th- I think as I look back, um, uh, quite quite interesting. Um, even when I was studying geology at university in the early '60s, um, we weren't taught, as I recall, the theory of evolution as such. We were um, we were taught to identify the different. Um, uh, epochs in time um, that were allocated millions of years in terms of their age. Uh, we were taught to identify those by characteristic fossils um, in paleontology. And, and the main thing, the main emphasis was identify on identifying fossils at that particular time. And uh, similarly in, in stratigraphy, um, Again, we uh, were looking at how we could, could map and map the strata and work out the, um, the ages of the, the strata. So it's interesting how things have uh, changed uh, now, of course, where evolution is a, a very dominant theory in our education system, despite now the overwhelming evidence from biochemistry that you know, a complex molecule like a DNA, like DNA that just happens to encode the structure that is forming around it. If, some, you know, if all these proteins and fats and sugars come together to somehow form uh, some, and somehow formed uh, uh, the first living cell for a, a molecule with a totally different structure, DNA, um, to be encoding that structure um, and all the directions to make that structure that's forming randomly around, I think just common sense tells it absolutely impossible. And scientifically, it's absolutely impossible as well. But then, of course, it doesn't even stop there because um, even if you had the code, you have to have a code reader system that matches that code, that is able to translate that code and then assemble the structure around it to make a new one, uh, which is the ribosome, of course, that plays the role in that. And so, you know, the the evidence is is overwhelming. Now, similarly, um, young people today are taught the Big Bang Theory. And also, uh, we, um, that, you know, there was this massive explosion from where on of of uh, that space expanded from nothing, energy and matter expanded, and um, the um, and you know the energy you know converted into matter and the matter condensed into um, into the different stars and ultimately planets and so forth. And we often hear about people looking for evidence for 
for life from from outer space and and this sort of thing. But one of the things that often is um, perhaps neglected is that space itself is very hostile to life. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when we send astronauts up into space, they they face um, a a lot of... um, you know, it's a very hostile environment with potential long-term hazardous health effects uh, for those people. And I, as I, I think about this, you know, there's overwhelming evidence for design in terms of um, the the structure of our solar system and the um, and the location of where our planet Earth is in the solar system from a number of different aspects that. And the whole structure of, it seems, of space and so forth is just overwhelming evidence for design, just as living systems are. When we look at the the biochemistry of immunity and other things I've talked about in the past in living system, overwhelming evidence for design, you know, blood clotting, all all these sort of things, reproductive system, uh, systems of, um, of different plants and animals, overwhelming evidence of design. Um, lock and key type systems, things that just match that, again, random events just can't produce these sort of systems. Um, And there's so many of them and they're so different. And so you've got so many random events that would have to have lined up that when we look at it, that's mathematically from the biochemistry and and so forth, uh, absolutely impossible. And I use the word absolutely. It's absolutely impossible. It wouldn't happen in a million, trillion, billion, zillion years. Um, it's not going to happen. The, the systems aren't going to happen. The evidence for creation is just overwhelming. And one of the fasc- really fascinating areas is in the area of, um, of, of, of when we look in the area of, of the cosmos and, and the types of radiation because the existence of life on Earth depends on precise, and I use the word in an informed way, um, depends on precise, non-coincidental arrangements of many natural phenomena. So a whole lot of things have to live up. And some of those things that sustain life are essentially, uh, we can't see them. They're invisible to us. For example... You take the composition of gases in our atmosphere that allows us to breathe and the plants to manufacture um, you know, food via photosynthesis and so forth, literally out of air. We, we get much of our food from the air. It's a combination of the carbon dioxide um, with water that forms the carbohydrates that the plant synthesises. It's amazing. Um, and the compositions the, and the levels of these gases in air are, are just right. Now, a lot of people are worried about the increased carbon dioxide content and um, the potential for um, increase of global warming. Well, it's just one factor that's involved. A lot of other factors that are involved in whether it's global warming and global cooling. But we forget that this carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is the source of our food. It's a source of food for the plants too that they they grow. We we need that carbon dioxide. Um, 
the other another factor is the the ozone layer that uh, protects uh, life from deadly ultraviolet light, and we know there's a lot of concern about this uh, some years ago because of the refrigerants and so forth that were used. Uh, that um, uh, when they escape into the atmosphere, they react with ozone and essentially destroy the. Uh, the ozone layer in particular areas. And that's why I lived in in Tasmania, um, that island state south of Australia there for some some years. And I was always fascinated when I visited my mother in Cairns that I would sunburn more readily in Tasmania than up in Cairns in North Queensland, which is much closer to the equator. But this was because over that southern part of Australia, uh, particularly at that time, um, the ozone layer was relatively thin. Um, another aspect that protects our uh, planet is our own planet's own radiation shield, which is called the magnetosphere. And um, again, this is uh, a region that surrounds um, uh, an object like a planet or a star. Uh, which is, is the extent of a very strong magnetic field in that planet or star. And the thing about magnetic fields is that they uh, interact with charged particles and either deflect them or attract them. And um, it's interesting that several planets in our solar system has have magnetos- magnetospheres, uh, but the Earth... Ha- appears to have um, the most uh, robust or or strongest uh, of all the uh, rocky planets, and um, that was. Uh, if uh, you're interested in looking up uh, this, there was a a very interesting article published in Space Science Reviews. Uh, it was back in 2005. Um, but it was titled uh, Solar System Magnetospheres. Um, a very interesting article. Uh, the senior author was M. Blank, B-L-A-N-C. Um, and that was Space Science Reviews, volume 116, pages 227 to 298. Quite a, a significant uh, review article there of about 70 pages. Amazing um, uh, reference there. And so um, it's quite fascinating that the Earth's magnetosphere actually plays a vital role in um, the uh, sustaining life on Earth. Um, And it's really like a a force field. Um, And I I, I guess most of us have done experiments at, at school where you take a magnet and you put a piece of paper over the top of the magnet and you sprinkle iron filings on it and they align um, and um, and you can see the effects of the magnetic field spreading out from that uh, particular bar magnet. And, of course, magnetic fields are the principle behind electric motors that power our electric cars and um, diesel electric locomotives and, uh, you know, the motors in your blender and uh, all these sort of things in our... Um, everyday, uh, um, in, you know, tools that we use, electric drills and so forth. But 
One of the things that when we look at the way the solar system is arranged, we've got the sun there. Now, the sun, we all know, is extremely hot, but it produces a cosmic radiation that is continually bombarding our planet. Now, we we think of the sunlight coming, you know, the sun's rays, we feel its heat. We know that if we're out too long, we can get uh, sunburned if our skin isn't climatised to, uh, uh, to the sun. And um, we associate this with the ultraviolet part of the spectrum. But there's also, just as we can't see the ultraviolet light, we also can't see uh, the cosmic radiation that is coming from the sun. And this consists of various high-energy, tiny little particles. So we have electrons that are very, very, very tiny. They're the little negative charges that uh, orbit around the outside of, a, of an atom that you learn about, we learn about in school. And um, also other um, elements that have been had their electrons actually ripped off. Uh, and that's particularly protons, uh, which are the nucleus of a hydrogen atom where its electron has been removed, and also alpha particles, which are helium nuclei. And they're, they're heavier because they have two hydrogen atoms combined with two neutrons, so they have an atomic weight of four. And so they're quite um, you know, high-impact uh, high particles carrying a lot of momentum, the alpha particles. And... Um, it's, it's interesting that, um, well, the article said that uh, every second the sun um, emits about one and a half million tonnes of high-energy particles. Now, of course, fortunately, they're radiating out in all directions, but some of these uh, come uh, uh, towards the, the Earth. And... Um, the other thing that uh, comes towards the Earth, of course, is uh, what we call uh, 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 galactic uh, radiation. And so we also get some radiation from other stars, like uh, supernovas, which are stars exploding as they die and, uh, and come apart. And, of course, cosmic radiation in the past used to refer to this. Um, and this sort of radiation also can contain um, you know, other particles other than just uh, hydrogen and, um, and helium. Um, and um, when these other high-energy cosmic rays impact our atmosphere, they can release secondary particles as well by colliding with other atoms in our atmosphere. So all these high-energy particles would be extremely damaging to life if it wasn't for the magnetosphere deflecting uh, most of this, these high-energy particles from reaching us. And, um, and this is because of uh, the laws of physics that um, actually as these charged particles are moving through the magnetic field, they are uh, re repelled. And um, it's interesting that the other thing that um, is happening is that um, well, there's different bombardment between the daytime bombardment and the nighttime bombardment because when you think about it, during the day, this part of the Earth that's experiencing daylight is facing the sun. 
And um, it's interesting that the magnetosphere um, uh, facing the sun extends about six to ten times the radius of the Earth. Um, and the magnetosphere uh, facing away from the sun stretches out a bit further. So it's actually quite interesting to uh, see. Um, it actually fluctuates in, in length uh, and um, can even extend past the moon's orbit. So that's the Earth's protective um, uh, magnetosphere can extend um, that far. And um, again, if you looked at a, a standard textbook on the magnetosphere, such as the origins of magnetospheric, magnetospheric physics uh, by uh, J.A. Van Allen, um, so uh, that's a University of Iowa Press textbook, um, you can read a lot, some fascinating stuff uh, about this magnetic field. Um, and it's interesting, without this protective magnetic sheath, um, our planet would be um, damaged, be showered continually by these harmful rays. And that's why it's quite a radiation hazard for, um, uh, for you know, astronauts going into outer space uh, and so forth because um, this sort of uh, radiation damages the DNA. Um, and 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 the this sort of radiation exposure can lead to cancer and um, and actually hinder the generation of new cells. So it's very important that life be protected from this. Now, the Earth's magnetic field, which produces this protective effect, is actually generated by a circulating electric current in the planet's outer core. So the outer part of the core and this electric current flows through the core um, this massive electric current uh, produces a field uh, of this amazing uh, magnetic field but it is slowly decaying due to the natural resistance to flow so as uh, electricity throw, flows through any conductor whether it be copper aluminium or iron um, there's a certain amount of resistance so different metals have different resistance so a, a substance with very high resistance we call a, an insulator but um, you know for example if you remember those old bar radiators that have coils of, of wire you plug them into the wall switch them on they begin to glow red hot and the reason why they're glowing red hot is due to the, the current flowing through um, has uh, that particular element has a higher resistance and so as the uh, current is passing through uh, meeting that resistance it loses energy as heat um, and it's the same um, with the Earth's magnetic field uh, it's losing energy which is dis dissipated as heat uh, within the Earth itself but um, we know now that the Earth's magnetic field has declined about 10% over the past 150 years. And its exponential decline, which is what we would predict mathematically uh, from the modelling of um, the, um, this uh, decaying electric field in the Earth's core. And this is powerful evidence that the Earth is not millions of years old. If the Earth was millions of years old, the magnetic field would have decayed to nothing. We wouldn't have a magnetic field. Um, and it's interesting um, that 
even within about 10,000 years at the most, the strongest field should have decayed to nothing, which would have allowed cosmic rays to wipe out all of life on Earth. Now, this is a very, very important point that isn't taken into account, that the strengths of the Earth's magnetic field and the fact that it's decaying is powerful evidence that life on Earth is less than 10,000 years old. Because if it was older than that, um, the magnetic field would have had to have been so strong. And secondly, um, it's um, any length of time it would decay away to nothing and there'd be life wouldn't be able to survive anyway. So this is a powerful design feature. But one of the fascinating things is that... Um, and we get these uh, these solar winds from the sun itself uh, that uh, pass around. And one of the things, if you can imagine, that the, the sun itself is, is dragging our sol- whole solar system through space. Now, as the sun travels through space, it's travelling through a very hostile environment. It's travelling through a hostile environment where the level of radiation of high-impact particles is about 40 times higher in outer space than it is within our own solar system. And one of the things that protects us from that the, the massive um, particles coming just through outer space, which would also destroy life even more quickly, is what is called the heliopause. And so what happens is that it's quite fascinating that the sun, as it's travelling through space, is producing this shield, this shield of radiation or solar wind, as it's called, from the sun. And you can imagine if you had you know, a ball of something that was emitting. Well, maybe think of a comet. As you think, as you have a comet flying through space, you've got this ball and then you've got this tail behind it. Well, it's the same with the sun. The sun is emitting this cosmic wind and out in front there's sort of like the bow wave of the sun and it extends about 120 astronomical units. Now, an astronomical unit is the average distance between the Earth and the sun, right? So that's uh, what is called an, an astronomical unit. So it extends out in front about 120 astronomical units, but it extends out the back. And so there's this tail, this tail of, of cosmic wind as the sun dragging our solar system, charges through um, our galaxy and the the universe in effect. Um, And we're enshrouded by this cloud of cosmic wind. Now, this cosmic wind is particles being emitted from the sun. And it travels out, as I said, about that, uh, that, that far, and uh, this huge bubble, or it's sometimes called the heliosphere, which, as I said, is about uh, 17 billion miles or 27 billion kilometres in diameter, it's just estimated there. And, and that shields everything, and that extends out past, you know, all the planets. Now, what happens is, it's quite fascinating, that as this radiation is moving out, it suddenly almost abru- ab- abruptly stops. And uh, this was discovered by um, Voyager 2. It's, it's amazing uh, phenomena. 
because what happens there is it's meeting the incoming radiation or the radiation coming in from outer space, which, as I said, is about 40 times higher. And so as those two opposing radiations meet, the sun-solar wind stops that radiation and greatly reduces that radiation from reaching us on Earth. And so here we find this massive design system that is just so finely tuned. You know, um, there is quite an interesting um, report that uh, was published um, in 2019 by M. Groshenko, uh, G-R-E-S-H-K-O-M Groshenko. It's called Interstellar Space Even Weirder Than Expected, NASA Probe Reveals. Um, you can read the article on nationalgeographic.com. Uh, came out on the 4th of November 2019. And essentially... The report explains that the protective heliosphere shields everything inside it, including our fragile DNA, from most of the galaxy's high-energy radiation. You know, um, even, and I was reading an article uh, by a doctor, Jonathan Carrado, about this, and he's that was published recently in, um, in uh, Creation, Volume 44, 2022, and he says there, even though this world has fallen, evidence of design continually overwhelms our senses. So this is what Dr. Carrado writes. It does not take much rational thought to conclude that our material existence is the result of design in contrast to accidental evolutionary causes. From the macro to the micro, the elements of our material existence are finely balanced and op operate with intricate shared precision. Some of the most remarkable findings of modern physics and cosmology, especially the indications that our universe and its laws seem remarkably tailored to sustain life, support this point of view of we are design. So... There's amazing evidence in outer space that we are unique and designed. And, of course, the Bible talks about that. The Bible, description in the Bible, the description of origins, everything just fits so well with what we now observe. We are in an amazing created, not evolved, not being banged. We're in an cr amazing created universe. And the amazing thing is that the God, the amazing being that created that universe, wants a relationship with us. The Bible is full of answers to prayer and eyewitness accounts of answers to prayer and miracles. And the Christian literature published around the world testifies to this. And my own experience of answers to prayer and the, the knowledge of knowing that there's this amazing God of love that came as Jesus Christ and you know, took our place in this wicked world so that God can forgive us and give us eternal life so that we never have to die. We can have an eternal relationship with God. Uh, I would encourage everyone, you know, read the Bible, believe it, get a Bible and start reading the, the New Testament and read these stories for yourself and pray, experience prayer uh, for yourselves. 
Remember too, if you found this interesting, please tell your friends about these programs. Uh, Put up links on social media. And remember, if you want to re-listen to this program, just Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and go and click on the the radio, the, the listen button. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.